1: it's it's on. A Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room, episode eighty, the review segment for Friday, July thirty first, two thousand and fifteen. Still the time, year of our time, Lord Doctor Emmett Brown. Today, reviewing Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation, the movie. I still wish I could call Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol because that was such a better movie
0: and go to not call. better
1: movie, better title. This movie, this movie, it's pretty good. I just got out of it and I was like <laughs> really excited about it. That's um, good. Yeah. So it's another Tom Cruise Mission Impossible movie, even after we thought Jeremy Renner was going to take over the franchise. It got cruelly. We still in I, it.
2: I never thought that. I never yeah, paid attention actually, to and my life when, is so much better. Who, who actually thought that?
1: Cast, that was, I mean, so Mike Sampson at Screen Crash wrote a really fascinating article of, kind of reminding us about what Sumner Redstone said about Tom Cruise when they ended his deal at Paramount. In 2006, kind of after all the couch jumping and all of this stuff, and Sumner Rebstone said really like strong things about Tom Cruise and how he wasn't welcome on the lot. And then he got brought back back for like one last Mission Impossible movie after Mission Impossible 3 tanked. They brought in Jeremy Rune. Okay. And then Go to Call was great. The thing (laughs) with Go to Call is that
0: it's not even setting him up to take it over, though. Like he's really just a side player in all of Ghost Protocols. So it's not just the success that brought. Tom Cruise back to this franchise. That movie was designed to keep Cruise around.
1: Well, that was also after Tropic. Anyway, the, the Mike Sampson article does a better job of explaining this than I did. Anyway, Jeremy Renner's in this movie, as is Simon Pegg. There is a woman, this female character, played by Rebecca Ferguson, someone I had never heard of before. I thought she was Michelle Monaghan in many of the ads. And uh, what? I was liking a lot. She's like another brunette. I saw her briefly. I was like, oh, they brought Michelle Monaghan back. She's
0: been nope. nominated for a Golden Globe. Come wow. on. She's in the White Queen.
1: White queen. Yeah, this is something I'm now interested in catching up on. Anyway, it, uh, as far as I remember, it's almost the same plot as Ghost Protocol. They get uh, cut off from their organization and uh, have to fend for themselves to track down an international terrorist. Blah, blah, blah. There's a, The female character played by Rebecca Ferguson is maybe a double agent, maybe not. They travel to various locations, hunt down things. There's a USB stick because that's all you really need for a Mission Impossible movie is a uh, thing that people need to save the world. And it's really entertaining. I, the plot summary, I think, is a lot less important than kind of talking about... I actually disagree. Movie, yeah? You think the plot's For, important?
0: Yeah, more so than Ghost Protocol, which I... I mean, I think I forgot the plot of Ghost Protocol 10 minutes after I saw the movie. I have no idea what happens in that movie. It I, ends in a parking garage. I know that, yeah, I know that Michael Nyquist is the bad guy, but I don't know what he's trying to do. New codes or something? There's a briefcase? Activate? Whatever. That okay. was really... Just about the set pieces, and here I think that the, the plot is kind of important.
2: People like Katie Rich irresponsibly overpraised "Go to Call," which is
0: wow. three irresponsibly
2: reckless, which is really just well.
0: A I would I would call pieces. your praise of Mission Impossible Three along the same lines, but that is a can of worms. That is a can that of worms, sir.
2: Best not open, but uh, <laughs> but yes, uh, continue.
0: Well, yeah, yeah so we, I, I would dive into plot this, interesting in this. Yeah, I would dive into this plot a little deeper. Because, I mean, it's very Hitchcockian by design, this kind of, this this feels more like North by Northwest than something like Go to Call, which feels all about the set pieces. This is about intrigue, this is about double agents, this is about this shadow organization known as the Syndicate, that, I mean, the opening scenes of this film, I thought were quite riveting, not just the airplane scene, which we've seen in the trailers, a a ton and kind of kicks things off with a huge bang. did not expect that to be just the opening bit. That was really exciting and, actually. And
1: that it's an opening bit that kind of ends just when you're bracing yourself for it to become a bigger action sequence. I loved that. Like it has this really nice kick to it. Yeah. And it's then it just moves super on.
0: suave. Um, but then the scene after that sets this up with real intrigue. You know, I, I, Saw the trailers. I knew that IMF was going to disband or that politicians were trying to slam them. I figured we'd go straight to that, that the events of Ghost Protocol would be summed up in scenes with Alec Baldwin right there and then. Um, but I was really happy to see uh, Ethan Hunt, Tom Cruise's character sit down in front of his uh, briefcase his or his secret, uh, I guess it was a record in this case. He plays yeah, a, a vinyl scanning record. vinyl record. Such a hipster movie. Thanks, Rogue Nation. Uh, um, and then uh, get it's the his the way to message. get around your
1: technology looking outdated in 20 years. You just use deliberately outdated technology.
0: Yes, this movie has a real retro vibe and goes for it all the way. I think it's very indebted to the television show as much as maybe the De Palma original film and um, obviously the show. So the lineage is there. Um, but I, I love that it starts with something sinister and something going wrong and ethan hunt really being capped at the knees and and wondering what the syndicate is i I just think this script is really smart and sharp and the twists are, are offer real thrills and and payoffs in the end um i love the bad guy in this movie who is played by oh god i'm gonna have to look that up as we talk because what do you love about him I I just love his attitude. I I love his character, and I love how dangerous he feels. I mean, especially by the end of this movie. I don't know how spoiler we want to get – but I, I do love how dangerous he feels and lethal uh, to, to Ethan Hunt throughout this throughout this escapade. Uh, uh, I love him much I, more than Michael Nyquist or, or any of the villains, really, in a, any of the Mission Impossible well, movies. He just feels like a presence. He's not necessarily a deep character. He's not like Javier Bardem in, in Skyfall or something like that, some tied relationship to Ethan Hunt necessarily. But he does but feel – But he has a
1: relationship to our female lead, which I think that is a really good job. I mean, Yeah,
0: you can of, like, feel her being
2: pulled villain. in different – but you do well, one of the, more about her one of the yeah. reasons that Ghost Protocol isn't a particularly good movie is because I think I, I was impressed that Katie could remember who the villain of Ghost Protocol was for 10 minutes after she walked out of the theater. No um, patches. Oh, that was I patches. My my memory is apparently failing me, too. Uh, the series has had a problem with villains, uh, except for Mission Impossible 3, which features mm, possibly the best villain in any major blockbuster, uh, probably in like
0: the last... But they really like fail him in that movie. And, no, We're they, they don't. Can of worms, I, can of worms. Can oh my go, God. Philip Seymour Hoffman, underused and, and, and failed. When ah. By the time you listen to this, you can go
2: on Little White Lies and read a 1,200 word essay about why... <laughs> you can just, do that, but... You, meh. It extrapolates uh, to Mission Impossible 5 and pertains to all the movies as to why Philip Seymour Hoffman's Owen Davian is the perfect foil yeah, for Ethan yeah, yeah. Hunt in a way that um, that the character in this movie whose name escapes me still uh, is not at all, and other than his wheeze of a voice, I was very underwhelmed by this villain as well, which is a huge problem and would have been a much bigger one had this movie not featured a saving grace who goes by the name of Rebecca Ferguson playing Ilsa Faust. That's the only in thing in this a, movie that you liked. Uh, in a, you know, as much as the second movie Rift on Notorious, uh, much, in a much more overtly Hitchcockian sense outside of this great opera sequence in this movie. Um, and this Which is The Man does,
1: Who Knew Too Much. Right. The uh,
2: This movie is was. very Casablanca drunk, at least for a time, uh, with Ilsa reuniting with Ethan Hunt in Casablanca uh, and having a, not exact, but similar enough dynamic. But Rebecca Ferguson knocks it out of the park. She is, uh, she is the lead of this movie for all intents and purposes. And it would have been a better movie had it committed to that. But obviously there are restrictions there because uh, Tom, you know, Ethan Hunt is is a spectacularly uninteresting character. Uh, But there's... I mean, he's so much less... There's so much less going on with him than there is with James Bond or even like the character from Kingsman. Um, it's uh, even the Bourne movies and I'm, not, I'm no huge fan of the Bourne movies. Ethan but on he the is about
0: shore. plot. He is a plot device. He's and a man of if, if you own that, if you, if you decide that this movie is going to be about the script and be about putting this pawn into various physical situations or, or traps to or puzzles to solve, then that really works. He doesn't have to be a deep character to be a successful one.
2: But back that's to what Rebecca Ferguson and Ilsa okay. Baus. Who yes, is back
0: to the, you talking. No, back
2: to... Uh, that's rude. Back to just talking about the virtues of someone who really comes out of nowhere despite you know Patches claiming to have been familiar with her before this. Uh, and it goes toe-to-toe with Tom Cruise, often literally or kick-for-kick kick or whatever the fuck you want to call it, and is acts him off the screen. I mean, she is, uh, she is exceptional. She completely owns this movie, and she makes all of these... Completely asinine plot reversals. I mean, this is all, all these Mission Impossible movies are chasing uh, the MacGuffin that's attached to their own tales, and that's part of the fun of them. Um, and Mission Impossible Five or Rogue Nation or The Syndicate, as I argue, it should have been called. Um, that's a worst title.
0: I saw you it, tweet that. I'm like, what? That's super boring. That's like a Marvel that, title. I didn't uh. tweet that. I don't think. I think I said it to you
2: on our last episode. Um, but it it is sort of a Marvel episode. Uh, but the, and and I think some of the plot stuff here is dumber than usual. Uh, but she is just, she anchors the movie in such a way The dynamic between them is interesting enough that so much of the stuff that you're supposed to sweep under the rug in a movie like this, you feel free to, and uh, it's watchable to the end, even when, even through the last hour, which is just desperately missing uh, a set piece and really just crawls to a close. Um, after the movie starts with such a bang and tops off in its first hour. You didn't I like that, so last, uh,
0: that last scene? I love how small-scale and terrifying it is as they're kind of weaving in and out of shadowy streets, and it feels very noir. It feels... Had
2: ha- the action... I agree with you on that point. I think that's well said. Um, the noirishness fits uh, an overall tone of the movie. Had that action been shot in a more engaging way, other than the uh, sort of aesthetic of its, its mood... I think I would have been a little bit more on board with it, but it, it feels to me, and not just because it's downshifting from a larger scale, like the movie is really petering out because I don't think that action has the beats to sustain it other than uh, a solid last one, which I will not spoil. Um, I think there's
1: a, there's a good suspense in it as well. I mean, it's classic ticking bomb stuff, but I think it, it works well. I mean, I, I agree that Chris McCory doesn't shoot hand-to-hand action that well, and there's a couple of fight scenes where you really Wait, Really? It. Yeah, there's the the first fight scene where you kind of see uh, uh, Ilsa and Ethan Hunt like, you know, engaging against each other and against. I thought that really worked. I really felt that was pretty muddled. Um, But I do, I mean, but there are all the running around and chasing. Like when chase scenes, he does great hand to hand fights, not so much. And there's a good balance of both. And I think the chase scenes went out because they're really engaging.
2: You know, I was crucified on Twitter for saying this, but uh, I'm someone who crucified him. Uh, But someone who has a much better handle on how to. Uh, Please don't say JJ Abrams. Direct action. I'm not going to say JJ Abrams uh, to engagingly direct action with clarity in a way that fits the Tom Cruise mold and would have worked very, very well for a movie like this. Uh, and, and it's not to say that he could have done the other parts as well as Chris. is James Mangold in Night and Day, which oh, yeah, is better sure. than all but one of the Mission Impossible movies. Uh, and I, I think that there's there's a lack of skill uh, that I miss. Um, and, you know, it's it's Mission Impossible 2 is garbage, but John Woo, uh, at least it was, and not to say that I love the action scenes in that, but he had a flair
0: for them at least. I don't know. I, I mean, I was pretty drunk off the opera scene in terms of yeah. geography That's and the, the close combat uh, fighting up top on the, the cat, or what? not the catwalks, catwalks?
1: A lighting rig. Yeah, maybe he, I didn't do the, th-
0: I wasn't on tech in theater. I was on stage. Jesus, um, <laughs> whatever they were doing up there, that sounded interesting. Yes. Whatever Ethan Hunt's fighting on, um, well, yeah, I love, I love combat,
1: that. Sense. That hand combat is great because of geography, because it's playing with like moving platforms, basically. Like it's a. Uh It's not about the punches and how they land, and kind of watching the acrobatics of the fights, but it's watching about how where they are in relation to each other. And I think the geography and the opposite, I agree, is great. And geography is a real standout of this movie, which is great for Mission Impossible because they're going to all these amazing places and really taking advantage of the cityscapes that they're
0: in. And I I wanted to praise as the action grows. You know, we've seen this sequence where Ethan Hunt has to dive into a water. Or a flooded safe, a flooded digital safe. It's very strange. I'm not exactly sure I understand why that makes sense for anything in the world to be uh, dunked in water and Doesn't be like le- electronic. Sense, it Doesn't does. Mean, it totally quibbles, sells quibbles it. It rules
1: the computer system and you use it to keep it right.
0: I mean, it's really cool and, it, and I love the sequence. I actually saw the film a little early and it had incomplete... Special effects, and it still, Ooh. I thought, looked. Yeah, that is not Wait, me. Are you sure? My horn. Because
2: the special effects for that sequence looked like wet garbage. I don't think so. Movie. I thought they
0: really uh, were well, effective. How would you know? How would you know? I thought they looked good because I I, I'm saying they looked effective when I saw it. And if that was early, then I can imagine the finished product looking even oh, that better. That scene looks awful. I, I just I, thought like the, the the dynamics of spinning around in the circle and watching things come at him and following him and then doing kind of like uh, use, using CG to enter his POV and then swing out. I, I really liked the oh, ideas cool. going on in that sequence. I
2: think it's a it's a really cool scene, especially because um, you know, the threat of drowning and everything. I think these are things that anyone can relate to. I just, uh, they didn't quite seal the deal visually. Right.
0: I, I imagine getting bumped up six months probably hurt some of that like a yeah, scene like and that. If, Tom, if they're going to
2: talk and talk and talk about Tom Cruise holding his breath for six minutes, why is there a cut in the middle of that shot? I mean, like Well, in the middle of that sequence, like why? yes, it's still impressive. But the problem with the lack of quality of the effects in that sequence is that you start to doubt everything that you're seeing. So suddenly, if there's no weight to this thing that's spinning around and hitting Tom Cruise, it really takes the luster out of how well he's able to hold his breath, how long the shot may or may not be lasting. Um, It doesn't have the same uh, effect of... Even uh, I go back to like the rock hanging sequence from Mission Impossible Two, which again bad ass, a bad movie. Uh, and and I, I do want to talk about the opening sequence, the plane stuff. And I love how this movie opens with him, like the first introduction of Ethan Hunt. It seems like running across a field and saying like, "Open the door." It's like right, you know, in media res, man of action. Uh, very the beat clearly understands the character, uh, but I, I wrestle with how they shot this uh, instantly famous uh, effect of him holding onto the airplane as they take off. I wonder if there was um, a more effective way of doing it, Uh, which isn't to say that it's not effective, but...
0: I think it's pretty cool to kick off off the
2: movie. I almost think that, like, this is uh, could be another conversation for another time, but I almost think that the shot would have been more effective had the camera stayed on the ground and you watched Tom Cruise be lifted off into the air in a way, in a way, in a way. Um, because huh. You wouldn't no be visual... able to, like,
0: enjoy the wind.
2: It, I think no the wind is so important. There's no visual disparity, though, between, like, when he's 100 feet up in the plane versus when he's 500 feet up. No.
1: The Except right
0: for his water. waving cheeks because there's, like, 100 miles per hour wind coming no, at him. there's
1: definitely a cut where you see how far the fields are below yeah. him. And you're like, oh. yeah,
2: it's not a cut. You see how far they are, but it feels... Um, the effect of it is it's flat, so you it, it feels like green screen, and I know that it's not, and I respect... Tom Cruise, uh, for a number of reasons, but, uh, um, as obviously the, really the great and maybe only movie star that we still have. Uh, but I think that there, that shot doesn't quite have the oomph hmm. that I wanted from it, but, uh, I, I mean, I think as far as summer movies go, this movie does a lot right and entertain the hell out of me. I do think it's probably better
0: than Ghost Protocol. Wait, I, w- I wanted to hear more from Katie, yeah, as someone who loves well, Ghost Protocol, about the like underwater scenes and some of the bigger
1: Well, yeah, I wanted to episodes. stick up for the cinema in general because, I mean, Pat, did you mention the opera scene, which I think is really gorgeous, and like I said, it's like the man who knew too much, including the uh, the note in the score circled by the bad guys about the moment yeah, when they're going to shoot the shout gun. out like the to minute- uh,
0: Nessun Dorma from... Yeah, uh, P- well,
1: and Patches, you probably have looked this up. I don't remember who did the score, but they incorporate the Ness and Dormuth Yeah, Joe Kramer, the who did Jack Reacher. It's really Reacher. lovely. But so many of the action sequences in this movie are silent. And I was thinking, and I might write about this, is just how it's, if that's the benefit of the international cinema we're getting, like this movie is, is funded by China and Alibaba, and you kind of see it at the beginning of the movie, you're like, oh, this is a movie for everybody else in the world. But if making international blockbusters means we get action sequences that play out silently and kind of beautifully in new huh. language, I'm all for it. It's really great to have a scene where, you know, I think about that last scene in The Avengers where they're yelling at each other to evacuate the civilians and going here and going there and there's... a you know, all this shit happening that they have to explain to each other. The Tesseract. All of the action sequences in this movie, there's no explanation needed. You know exactly what's happening. And the, there's this great running beat between, uh, uh, Ethan Hunt and Ilsa where they look at each other and they know what they're going to do. And they kind of coordinate their action without speaking, which is another reason they're such a good pair. And I really just loved the choice Mm. to make all of that silent because the joy of seeing an mission impossible movie is watching people who are really good at doing impossible things and the, the silence kind of lets you revel in that and really, you know, even if the hand-to-hand combat isn't that good, watch the filmmaking be as confident as these people are. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I, wonder, I mean...
2: Uh, yeah, I think that's a good point. I wonder if uh, how, how deeply ingrained the, the financial elements are into the...
1: Um, oh, I have no idea. I don't, know. Well, I don't know if to, that's why they chose to make. I mean, you, you know, I think about that sometimes, like watching something and being like, how are they going to explain what the CIA is, to so the Chinese audience, or, you know, whatever Russian audience is. Um, but I do think that's probably a consideration when they figure out how to, like, explain a complicated plot, and the least, the less complicated you can make a fight scene, the better. And I think that's true no matter who you're making it for, because all of these blockbusters, Mission Impossible movies, maybe more so than anything, are always overcomplicated
2: you know and, what? Uh, this what, one does a
1: good job of avoiding it.
2: What's done? It gets really right. I felt is the motorcycle chase. Yes,
0: yes. Uh, I thought about Mad Max during that. It was the perfect yeah. blend of like real explosions, practical driving stunts, and uh, CG, great. like, I, like CG wary. kind of smudging it all together.
2: I'm very wary of making any comparisons between this movie and Mad Max because it's like. Talking about like a, a fun sketch. What like we're talking on a we're talking chapel. on
0: a practical level. We're not talking about story. We're not talking. Uh, <laughs> That's such bullshit. Uh, uh, relax, Patrick. No, I am angry. Uh, I'm uh, fighting but, in the war room here. I'm gonna uh,
2: fight. I I did feel like uh, those crashes have real weight to them, and there are some moments, some random henchmen who get crushed by traffic and knock off their motorcycles, and I, I really felt it. Um, and did I did you like uh, the car the aspect
0: of that, that, where they're kind of running or driving through the. Uh, through the 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 close uh, streets and they do yeah, that like three sixty hit of all the motorcycles. I
2: think that yeah. yeah, that that whole sequence is done really well. And
1: um, there's great comedy beats in that too. That the car flip, us, you know, Simon Pegg throwing out. Yeah. One-liners like it's a lot. Of, I mean, Tom Cruise does a really great job getting a laugh. Like in that plane sequence at the beginning, the, the look on his face at the end of that sequence—it gets a laugh. Like there's, there's a, 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 lot, there's of, a like, lot of
0: comedy in the movie. Stuff.
1: Yeah, there's and a not just like, nonsense. Yeah. I
2: mean, because there's like the opera sequence, and they run away, and then there's the the underwater sequence, then this, and it's one after another. And when the when the downshifts from that um, to a lower gear, I really feel like the movie doesn't have the the space to fall back. I really do feel like it peters out tremendously and you you begin to feel it's running time. And I do feel like I really, uh, and this is not a feeling that I feel often, but felt like where is a big climactic set piece here? Like how Mm. is this movie um, justifying getting off on this small run around London that uh, I think works for the story to a certain extent, but it almost feels like another movie. It feels like they went Jack Reacher or something. I mean, they uh, definitely I do. Miss
1: a, I didn't miss a big sequence. I think I agree with you that it loses a little momentum because it does go into like multiple talky exposition scenes, um, which does not include uh, when Alec Baldwin gets involved in the action. I don't want to spoil what happens. but That
0: scene is so great. Was, and
1: Yeah, Alec Baldwin uh, gets involved. I mean, so I tweeted this basically as a joke, but I do kind of can't think of anything but Jack Donaghy when I see Alec Baldwin, but it it's kind true. of works for this movie. Like he has a couple of lines where it's like meant to be funny, and it's also the sense of like, oh, here's this corporate suit who's gotten thrown into this spy game, and like he doesn't really know what he's doing, and it it really works for it. Yeah, and he Tom does Hollander sort of have, is the Prime Minister of England.
2: It's Tom Hollander He's not Spider Man. That's not the man. No. That's Tom
1: Holland.
2: It's uh, uh, I was going to say they. I thought they went young, but maybe they went the opposite <laughs> direction. The. Um, uh, yeah, he does sort of have a Liz Lemon-like relationship with at least Jeremy Renner's character, if not Ethan Hunt. Well, what do you what do you think <laughs> of the
0: whole group dynamic in this movie? Because that was a big selling point of the third one, which you love, David. But also, I mean, and I think that's Ford what made either. yeah, Go to Call work. Um, and I think, I mean, I like the team aspect. I'm a big Ving Rhames fan, so I was happy to see him back on the Lisa
2: team. Lisa <laughs> 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 that video. Ugh.
0: I I actually, I love the scene where Ring, Ving Rames is just like, why haven't I been around here? I can, like, find people on a computer in two minutes. What the fuck? Why haven't I been in this franchise? Yes. How done, dare he's you? like, I could
1: have done this from home. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I do think that, like, you know, the idea this is serialized storytelling. Each franchise, each installment, rather, has its own flavor. It has a new director. Uh, I don't think that necessitates swapping out the supporting cast every time. I think that it could actually be more fun to see how the various writers and directors riff on familiar characters. Uh, I don't... As much as I enjoyed Michelle Monaghan's role in the third and, to a lesser extent, the fourth movie, uh, the idea to build some sort of mythology and then recycle it again, it's all a weird jumble. Um, Are
0: you saying you were heartbroken when Michelle Monaghan...
2: Not, I, I just not rather they would have gone one way or the other, either like having some sort of ongoing story or. Uh, so, wait,
0: just, we we argued about this on Twitter a little bit, but there's no mention of her in this movie at all, right? No,
1: as far as I can.
0: Yeah, that is there, there is none. It's a little strange. It, it yeah, is,
1: when they made a point to include her at the end of the last one, it was kind of weird.
0: Right. Especially um, because he goes away for like months in his I have a giant beard and I'm in Zen training mode.
2: Although there is, uh, well, well, I don't want to say anything for fear of spoiling. Um, but uh, no, it is safe to say that Michelle Monaghan is not so much as mentioned in this movie. Uh, and there isn't even like a snarky aside from Ving Rames, who was very much <laughs> in the third movie uh, on team. You're never going to be able to sustain this relationship. Um, there's not even an aside from him being like, I told you or something to that lame effect where you it's inferred that she even existed. Uh, it is It is. Uh, no slate wiped completely clean.
0: Rogue Nation.
1: Ha, you want to throw in your uh, your last bit?
0: Oh yeah, I mean we should just I, I think we all recommend this movie. Did you guys get to see it in IMAX?
1: Yeah, and, but IMAX. Was, it's not film. I saw it on the huge IMAX screen at Lincoln Center but it was really irritating because it never expanded to the full screen. It was just like uh-huh. a large screen in uh, 2.35 ratio. Uh, so you would not so.
0: recommend it on the big, big necessarily?
1: No, I can't think of why you would pay to see it in IMAX. Just to, like see it on a good movie screen that's not like yeah, you that's know, how I I saw some it. shitty hallway.
2: I saw it in faux IMAX and uh fine. You know, I, again, this is the second film I've noticed this after Furious 7 where they make these uh, unique T- uh, Countdowns—the beginning of the movie.
1: Yeah, it, they have the Mission Impossible theme in the and countdown,
2: and it's like four minutes long. <laughs> I mean, not really, but it feels like that. Uh, and it's so much louder and more aggressively in your face than anything in the movie to come. And I—I I feel like I need like a a cold bath or something when it's <laughs> over.
0: Uh, you wake up and, in the middle of the night, and you're just hearing that. Yeah, I really—I
2: wish that they would. I—I I, I feel the—they're a little over the top. I wish they'd either get a, do away with them or dial them back. This is like well, a Jeffrey but, Wells type, my yeah. new show complaint. Well, uh, it, but it's like,
1: it, cool. It really surprised me that they did that whole plane sequence because one of the things I really loved about Go to Call was the way that they used the IMAX. And then they do this whole Ballyhooed plane sequence and it's in IMAX and nothing. It's just not I'm just not sure they... Cameras. Well,
0: I, they just don't really have a great scene for it. Yeah, the plane sequence isn't they that long. They can't strap.
2: I, I mean, I'm, I'm talking in my uh, ass, yeah, ass yeah, here, not, but my, my, no, my guess is, is
1: they couldn't yeah. strap it.
0: Well, yeah, the but camera, just, like, if you look at the behind-the-scenes videos, the camera is very tiny. Yeah, test, flew I up. mean,
1: they just—I don't know. Like, I don't understand why it was shown on IMAX, and when, I wouldn't have thought about it if it had been on the IMAX. As so someone if you go see not, it in theater? It won't be a problem. Has
2: someone not told Tom Cruise about GoPros? Because I feel like that could change. That'd be the, the game end games. of
0: this franchise. Yeah, I
2: think or
1: Tom he, Cruise would just <laughs> die. Somehow. He's going
2: to make the next one by himself,
1: <laughs> and it's
2: going to be completely bonkers. He's
1: going to scale the Empire death. State Building in the middle of the night. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, Yeah, so, I mean, I I love this movie. I I really fell for it, and I think I like it more than Ghost Protocol. I I haven't watched that movie in a long while, and the stunts are amazing. I mean, Brad Bird... Really brought a visual aspect to that that Mission Impossible three lacked, <clears throat> and um, but I thought this kind of upped the ending in every way. I, I was really happy to see a script that I was invested in that had. I mean, this was kind of like Usual Suspects with its twisting and turning, and I thought it had a.
1: Yeah. No. I, I really thought so. I mean, I thought I mean, all the
0: reveals usual were really fun. Isn't and, a good
2: movie, but this is well. Uh, I, 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 so,
0: like, I think it's a good thing that it didn't remind me of Usual Suspects too much. Okay, well, fair. I'm talking like about the mechanics. I'm talking about the mechanics. And I'm really talking about how you can introduce a double agent character in mm-hmm. a, a mega blockbuster like this. And I still feel like I'm not exactly sure I see where it's going 100% <laughs> of the time. I think that's a, an achievement. This, Yeah, this I agree age. with
1: that. Even, you know, you're like, oh, pretty woman who's being thrown in as a Yeah, and it's well, and definitely well, we a testament to her, to too. It. And it's, like it, 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 it do, I mean, it's not like the craziest thing in the world, but it does keep you kind of wondering where she stands. Yeah. But like that's,
2: I, I hesitate to give too much credit for for zipping or, or zigging when it might zag because the whole point of these movies is that they can make up literally anything as they go along. So and what? I that's think cool. That's that's yeah. no, that's that's very cool. Someone has to make uh, I'm it just up. Saying it's a basic requirement for the genre to work. It is not is not extra credit. Right. That is these movies need to be surprised. surprising. Need to. Um, go left when you think they are going to go right otherwise what's the point so I don't give them extra credit for that I do think this is a much better movie than Ghost I'm Protocol I'm giving them it,
0: full credit
2: I think it exposes a lot of the weaknesses is the script of Ghost Protocol um, I think the opera sequence is one of it's as good as anything what about Tom
0: Cruise can we give Tom Cruise a pat on the back for this yes. movie he's, be- like,
1: he's been better all credit to Tom Cruise I don't think I'm, that I'm really psyched about I, these days Tom Cruise is amazing. He's he's
2: amazing. There's no one else like him on the earth. He has been a lot more interesting as Ethan Hunt before. I think that this Ethan Hunt is not especially engaging, but there's no knocking Tom Cruise, not on my watch. Uh, yeah. I, so. I guess I
1: agree with that. Like, I don't, I don't think of Ethan Hunt as being something that carries me through the movie. He's like, funnier watching, in this movie, watching, though. Watching Tom Cruise have a good time. I mean, yeah, when he shrugs and then, like, dismantles a bomb or jumps out of a plane or whatever, it's hilarious. I mean, but that's all Tom Cruise. That's not, like, the character being developed.
0: No, I know, but as I said before, this is not a deep character. It's it's how far you want to push Ethan Hunt on every adventure, and this movie feels like the humor of the the tower climbing scene in Ghost Protocol stretched across the whole thing. I mean, I mm-hmm. love when Tom Cruise has you know just come out of this water tank, and he uh, has been resuscitated, his head is spinning, and he thinks he can drive, and he does the TJ Hooker <laughs> slide across the car and totally flubs it. I just love that that makes sense in that moment it's totally sold all the world around it makes sense and i'm laughing it's it's a great feeling and then to launch into a really adrenaline pumping set piece with cars and then to do that like crazy car flip thing that i'm also laughing again i I don't know it's just like really well concocted um yeah and uh, i was saying before uh or before the podcast that uh like every time a mask reveal happens in this franchise in Mission Possible. It never fails. I'm always happy and it's always like a whoa moment for me and I love it. I love when they yeah. pull the masks off. It never gets old.
1: And there's no mask in uh, Go to Call, which I, you know, I it, it's fun the way they play with it, but also yeah, it's really good to have
0: masks. Yes, the masks are back. Um, and maybe they can make another mask movie.
1: <laughs> That's what we want to learn from this. to talk real quick about uh, Vacation would basically just argue it's not a cinematic holocaust. Uh, David Whoa, Erlich is Mike Huckabee over comparing Vacation <laughs> to uh, things that are inappropriately awful. It's uh, not the worst thing ever. It's dumb. It's got some good jokes, some bad jokes, but I laughed.
0: <laughs> wow. I I laughed, good jokes, bad jokes, and done. That's the movie? Yeah, I mean, That's okay.
1: enough for a movie? Ed, Ed Helms is appealing. It's a road trip movie, so even if you're in a sequence you don't think it's particularly funny, it's going to be over soon. Chris Hemsworth is hilarious in this tiny cameo. It kind of plays with your expectations, <laughs> if you remember the original movie. But it's also got a lot of bunch of dumb jokes, just like the original movie did.
2: I'll lay my cards out on the table here. I think you, the original movie is just the worst. <laughs> I hate all these movies. Uh, I think they are middle... They They are
0: middle-brow
2: mm, This changes everything crap, for me. And I think that... The first vacation? Movie, I think this movie is so bad. It's a reboot so bad that it, it will It's sour. not a reboot.
1: It is a sequel. No, it, up. it
2: wants to be everything it wants. It is, it, you know, overtly claims to be a sequel um, and sort of reverse-engineers itself as such, but it is also a almost beat-for-beat beat, uh, remake also reboot they'll happily make another sequel although they should continue the tradition of replacing Rusty because Ed Helms is a toxic screen presence I mean the worst I hate I I, he seems like a very lovely guy in real life and I wish him all the best uh, in his personal life
0: he is uh, he should be banned from screens
1: farm uh, forever. He's been very
0: funny in many other no. things. What's Never wrong with you? Ever, once he's funny in, in The, the Hangover. Ever. He's nope. funny on The Office. He's nope. funny he's on The Daily Show. The nope. I don't
1: want to retroactively say that The Hangover's not funny because the first Hangover's... So
2: nope. Uh, he's terrible in everything. He's... I just... like I really... <laughs> like... Can we
0: go back to the part where you don't like the original Vacation movie? I don't like the original Vacation movie. Why do you... Uh, what? To be...
2: And this is really going to... Deep Six, any credibility I have left. That's what if I'm trying any, to draw
0: it out for my own satisfaction.
2: I know. Satisfaction. If there's any of those movies that I think is, has any charm whatsoever, it is, wait for it, Vegas, Vegas Vacation. Yes, Vegas Vacation <laughs> is
0: great. <Wow>. Vegas Vacation <laughs> is a Patches Family staple. I love that movie. There are so many good gags, and the Hoover Dam joke is only the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> Such a the, good movie. <laughs> uh,
2: uh, yeah, vintage Randy Quaid. But there is, uh, yeah, I, I just think these movies are um, are really really terrible. Yeah, but Vacation
0: and has bite. Like it's about something. It's about this, being a dad. In that, I think it was the seventies. Sure, still, you know, right? It's, I mean it's, now it's, I
2: think Vacation is like a masterpiece compared yeah. to, to this movie. I mean, please, you don't have to sell me on it. Uh, this is such a cynical, vile, lazy. Lazy is really the operative word. It's so. I I just feel so bad for Spider-Man fans uh, who have
0: oh, man. these.
2: And it's it's the hardest part is that John Francis Daly who starred in Freaks and Geeks. I understand that was a long time ago and he was very young, but it's really difficult for me to reconcile how someone who was a part of something so humane and clever and intelligent could be responsible for something so putrid uh, and geared towards a lot. He should be ashamed of himself. I think a lot of people involved in this movie should be ashamed of themselves. Uh, it's the worst movie I've seen this year that doesn't star Adam Sandler, uh, and I fucking hate it and uh, I never want to talk about it again.
1: It was funny. I laughed. What? I like Give Helms. me one
0: thing that you thought was really funny about it, Katie. Be, be specific here. I need... Okay, there's need...
1: this... Well, I mean... Okay, well, all right. What, are, are we spoiling vacation? Yes, of course we're okay. spoiling
0: vacation. There's
1: a scene where uh, Ed Helms and Christina Applegate decide so they're going to run out and have sex at the Four Corners because they're trying to, like, spice up their marriage over the course of this road trip, and they go, and first... They run into an insane orgy of people all trying to have sex on the four corners, which is funny. And it's kind of over in a flash. And then there's this conversation between these four cops who represent the four different states. And they just scream at each other and have a showdown. And it's a bunch of, you know, famous, funny people. And it's really funny. The I'm
2: cameos are movie. the best part. However, it was really hard to watch someone like Tim Heidecker lower himself to this standard. Oh. I mean,
0: Wait, Tim oh, Heidecker's oh, in on. this? Oh, yeah, it, it, yeah it, see? It, and
2: he's doing, like, very generic shtick. Uh, and it's just like... You can see the paychecks in his eyes.
0: Yeah, <laughs> the man needs to pay his he bills. He was
1: there for like five minutes to sure. shoot uh, out with yeah. a bunch of other funny people. Listen, What's I'm not saying
2: that? I think less of him. I, mean, I hope he had a great time. I would imagine he did. But uh, it just sort of reflects how terrible the movie is. Um, I think all the
1: Chris Hemsworth scenes are funny. Chris, I think Chris the scene Hemsworth where they run is, over the goddamn cow is funny.
2: No, uh, although the scene <laughs> where they watch a cow eat another cow is, very, is, is an actual metaphor for uh, the pain of watching <laughs> this movie. Um, There's a Chris running Hems-
1: joke with Seal that I think is funny? Chris Hems- It's not
2: funny. Chris Hemsworth's <laughs> thing about uh, Chris Hemsworth's thing about Fawcett, he, All of his metaphors involve faucets. That is funny. However, uh, <laughs> it's funny. his like giant fake dick that he wears in these scenes, and Chris Helm, uh, Ed Helms, is just fixated on his abs. Uh, is the anti-funny. It and just made
0: you remember Magic Mike, x I wish you were there. <laughs> uh,
2: no, I really, I really, I, I just didn't see a, a, whit, a glimmer of intelligent comedic thought in this movie. And it's really, you can see so much of it in not just the the vomit scene where she visits... <laughs> for Old School in the beginning but the scene <laughs> where they get to Wally World in the end uh, not a spoiler because if you've seen the first movie if you've seen this one um, where true. they really like. there's
1: no John Candy character in I just want to be clear about that there's
2: like three medium shots in that sequence it's like we're in we're out dumb visual gag with bad CG we're home uh, it's I, I really just thought this was the lowest of the low uh, and I there I didn't go. see pixels so well
1: I hated Kingsman so we're there you go I found out long ago
0: It's a long way down the holiday road Holiday
1: road Holiday road Jackie Nimble, Jackie quick. You
2: can take a ride with old St. Nick
1: Hey, Patches, what was this week's lightning round question?
0: Yes, well, this week's lightning round is a total disaster, as you know, because. What? It was in honor of vacation. It was an
1: impossible mission. Patch
0: is just no holds barred this week. He is. <laughs> I'm angry. I'm ready to fight. No, I'm saying that it was in honor of vacation. What modern star would you pair with 80s comedy material? But Katie tweeted it and changed it. But actually, for the oh. better. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to.
1: Right? Thank you. Yeah,
0: it's definitely for the better because we got a, a lot of good responses to this. What modern star pairing. Would you get excited about if they were in an 80s remake?
2: I've got a good one. So go no. start, David. Okay, I'm going to go with Bram B, aka at Real Bram. Oh,
0: such a good answer.
2: Uh, who says, Turner and Hooch with John Cena and Mr. Peanut Butter. And for those <laughs> who don't know who Mr. Peanut Butter is, uh, get thee to. My latest obsession, BoJack Horseman, on Netflix. I'm glad that you
0: came around on BoJack. It was it was a steep climb to get there for you.
2: Yeah, the the I found the pilot sort of grating, but I came around really quickly. And then by the like, it's very funny at first, and it's funny throughout, really. But the end of the first season and onwards is just like so emotional. Are you into season two? I just started season two. Season two uh,
0: gets into like relevant Cosby stuff. Really quickly, uh, and I just unless, thought it was so shocking. It's it's pretty interesting.
2: I thought this was going to be like a Family Guy type thing, and I'm like emotionally invested in these characters. Yeah, uh, but Mr. Peanut Butter is is a uh, it's hard to explain. But go watch. Bush he's backwards. a talking
0: dog. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> but he's like also a talking dog. He's dog, very happy. So like, he's an optimist.
2: He used to have a. Uh, Charles in Charge, like TV show that was a rival of the main character. It's a long story. Uh, he's voiced by, what's his face, Paul F. Tompkins. Yeah. Um, and he's a very happy go lucky, not too bright uh, talking dog whose tongue is always wagging out. And he would make for a great uh, tangoing, not tangoing, gash, a great uh, Turner and Hooch with John Cena. Why not?
0: Katie? Ashes, oh, oh my god, me? Um, yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of good ones. Our, our pal, at Mr. Bauer, said Helen Mirren and Maisie Williams and Back to the Future, which I, I'm actually pro Back to the Future remake, especially just after all the talk about how sacred Back to the Future is. I just really, maybe it's sadistic. I just wanted someone to, to remake it to piss people I just off. just want someone to try. Um, but I, I want to go with, um, at Amanda B310, my friend Amanda, who said, uh, Amy Poehler and Ariel Winter in Troop Beverly Hills. It's cookie time. Oh, yeah. I I feel like that would be a great movie for right now. Troop Beverly Hills, just like a small comedy. Ladies, Amy Poehler. More Amy Poehler movies. That sister's trailer was very funny. Amy
1: Poehler is the leader of a Girl Scout. I think if they make... It's just like the the Parks and Rec when she's one of the Pawnee Rangers.
2: I think if they make a Troop Beverly Hills movie, it has to be all gay men. <laughs> in honor of and who's, uh,
1: uh, who's the lead,
2: I don't know, but in honor of the Boy Scouts finally lifting their ban on uh, gay leaders, right? The proper rhetoric is for Boy Scout terminology. I think that is that's, that's the, the moment,
0: yeah. yeah. That movie plays a very important role in my life because there's a line about not needing any more stinking patches. So, a lot of people <laughs> quote that to
1: Wow,
0: I, I have emotional okay. investment in the remake.
1: Uh, I'm going with the Splendid Sulogna. Yes. uh, A gender-swapped weird science with Aubrey Plaza and Mae Whitman and Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, a Chris certainly. I don't know who I want for the hunk. I think either Chris Evans or Chris Hemsworth (laughs) could be good, but I feel like we can still workshop this. Uh, But yes, gender-swapped weird science. I can't believe that hasn't happened yet.
0: Yeah, wait, what about Chris Hemsworth and Vacation? We didn't really talk about talk well about, we, we talked will, a little about his big dick but is he yeah. funny yeah okay yeah, so maybe funny. he can bring, do it
1: he can bring the big dick to the rude science room
0: oh perfect that's what we need yeah, I, I will uh, even I uh,
2: there's no no way to knock Chris Hemsworth for this movie other than to suggest that he maybe needs better representation <laughs>
1: this uh, okay that does it for this week's fighting in the War room we'll be back next week uh, so we we'll talk about another superhero movie
0: wait really get
1: ready fantastic four man
0: oh my god I know. With music by Philip Glass. Really? Yes. Yes. That's the only reason I'm excited for it. Me too. But although Marco Beltrami reworked it and warped it. That's the whole gist. Yeah. So they took took a little riff (laughs) by Philip Glass and then Beltrami kind of stretched it in all sorts of different places. It'll be interesting to hear uh, and maybe see. We'll see.
1: Wow. Well, we'll be back. uh, But in the meantime, tell the people who you are.
0: I'm Matt Patches, senior writer at Esquire.com, resident angry person. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Patches.
2: I'm David Ehrlich. I'm the associate film editor of IMO New York and the editor at large of Little White Lies magazine. You can find me on Twitter at David Ehrlich.
1: And I'm Katie Rich. You can find me at vanityfair.com or on Twitter at Katie Rich, K A T E Y, R I C H. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back talking to you next week.